African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa. Yes, it's 11 o'clock Central African time. And thank you for joining us right here on African Dialogue, where we contextualize the big issues uh, through a panel discussion every Monday to Thursday. Thank you for joining us on our shortwave service on the frequency 7230 kHz on the 41-meter band to Southern Africa. And don't forget that you can find us online on www.channelafrica.co.za. In South Africa and some SADC countries, you can find us on Channel 802 on the audio bouquet. Well, today we're focusing on the build-up to the Nigerian elections. Uh, we know that it's one of Africa's strongest economies, and there's a lot of things happening, even as uh, there is a build-up uh, to the elections in the country. Well, this uh, upcoming presidential election in Nigeria will be the sixth since the end of military rule in May 1999. In November last Last year, the Independent National Electoral Commission said a total of 73 political parties fielded candidates for the 2019 presidential election. But it is reported that the race is generally believed to be between the incumbent president, Muhammadu Buhari, of the All Progressives Congress, and Ahaju Itaku Abubakar, who is a former vice president and also a businessman in the country, but aligned to the People's Democratic Party. Some of the issues are likely uh, to actually be central in these particular elections are said to be around issues of security. We know the issue of Boko Haram has been a big topic for many years. Well, to help us with this particular discussion, we're joined by a great panel dis- panel participants. We've got Matthew Page, Chatham House's Associate Fellow with the program covering Nigeria. We've got Dr. Akinolo Alojo, who's a senior researcher at the Transnational Threats and International Crime program at the Institute for Security Studies and Dr. Olayinkwa Ajala, who is an associate lecturer at the University of York. Now, let me start with you, Matthew. I know that you, as Chatham House, were looking at these presidential elections and you've released a report. But what is interesting is to see actually the current uh, uh, president running elections once again. We know that uh, in uh, his uh, turn so far, it's been really tainted by the fact that he's been a very sick man for a very long time. Uh, from your perspective, what do you see in terms of these particular elections, especially seeing President Muhammadu Buhari running once again? Oh, good morning. Well, yeah, it's no surprise that uh, President Buhari, as a as a first term incumbent, is um, is seeking a second term. I mean, w- we see across Africa that um, the leaders are are keen to serve out either their their full term or or even uh, exceed their terms and and elongate their tenure. So, uh, President Buhari, despite his advanced age and previous medical issues uh, has built a, a brand around himself that the ruling party is keen to capitalize upon. So they, uh, Buhari himself personally has a great degree of uh, street support, grassroots support in northern Nigeria. And the ruling party, the All Progressives Congress, is hoping to, to translate 
some of the enthusiasm that there was for Buhari in 2015, and in a sense try to try to um, uh, bring that back in in 2019. The, the challenge is, of course, is that Buhari made uh, many very ambitious promises, campaign promises in mm. 2015. Sure. Very few of which he's actually followed, been able to follow through on. And there's that classic debate in Nigerian politics where a first-term incumbent is saying, well, give me four more years and I'll deliver on all those promises that I, uh, I failed to in my first term. And, and on the other side, there's this skepticism and, and uh, desire to, to give someone else a go. All right, let me bring Dr. Alojo in terms of your thoughts. Uh, the rerunning of um, uh, the current president, uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, thank you for having me. Um, I think um, President Buhari, of course, um, as the last um, speaker said, is very keen on continuing in office. But we also know that um, there is uh, another leading uh, candidate, that's uh, Matiku Abubakar of the People's Democratic Party. Mm. And there are also other candidates um, who recently have uh, attempted to form a coalition uh, to contest the elections against uh, President Buhari's party and that of now, if we look at the context of security, of course, one of the central planks of the campaign of uh, President Buhari uh, during the last election cycle in 2015 was that he was going to address uh, the crisis in the northeast of Nigeria, and we're speaking about the Boko Haram crisis. Now, there have been mixed results, of course. Um, we have seen, of course, within the first couple of months uh, in 2015 how physical territory, you know, geographically speaking, was recovered. However, you know, looking at it in a more strategic uh, way, you know, there has been a resurgence of the crisis, especially with the breakaway faction of Boko Haram, which is the Islamic State West Africa province. So I think with the elections coming up, um, there is a lot of anticipation from people regarding what uh, the new leader, whoever it will be, what the new leader's uh, strategy against violent extremism will be, um, whether or not the new president would, uh, you know, treat with a sense of urgency Nigeria's national action plan on countering and preventing violent extremism. Uh, we must bear in mind that there is already an existing plan, and it was launched in November 2017. So is that going to be treated with a sense of urgency, or do we need to um, sort of do a reassessment of, uh, you know, the various other dimensions linked to criminal justice? linked to uh, you know, terror trials, linked to the humanitarian uh, situation where we have over 1.5 million people displaced in the Northeast. Mm, mm, mm. Um, do we need to consider dialogue, for instance, in regard to complementing the use of force? Because one thing is clear. I think it's the fact that um, we cannot bomb our way to peace. And um, one of the things which I think uh, Nigerians and even you know, the international community will be watching closely is uh, the example that will be set by the new leader, uh, you know, in, in regard to a renewed strategy and, you know, a fresh way of addressing, you know, the problem of insecurity. All right, let me bring in Dr. Ajala, Associate Lecturer at the University of York, into this particular discussion because uh, we have been looking at uh, this particular issue. 
terms of the rerun of uh, uh, Buhari, um, Dr. Ajala. What are your thoughts? I mean, uh, both Matthew uh, and uh, Dr. Alojo have been highlighting the particular issue that uh, the, the rerun of Buhari is not much of a surprise, but also looking at uh, his presidency in the last few years. How do you think he's fared? I know there was a time in 2017 uh, there was a lot of uprising from some of the citizens in the country, especially aligned to the fact that they were worried about reports around his illness. Yeah, thank you very much for having me in as well. Um, it, it, as um, previously discussed, there is no surprise that he's contesting the second term because um, most uh, people that have had the opportunity to rule Nigeria since 1999 when the country returned to democracy have always tried or um, gone for a second term. So that is not a surprise to anyone in the country. And in terms of how he has said, uh, a lot has been said about his health, which is, uh, has been an issue um, in the last couple of years. About 15 or 17 percent of his total time has actually been spent on the hospital bed, which is uh, not so good for his image. And it's one of the things that's been uh, acted upon by the Atiku camp. But in terms of security, generally, um, if you look at previous elections in Nigeria, it is not... It is no longer surprising that um, insurgency increases like almost around a year to election. Mm. So there is a political dimension to this insurgency that needs to be explored critically. Because if you notice that immediately after Buhari became president, there was he had the upper hand geographically as previously um, discussed. The military uh, took over most of the caliphates that were so uh, formed by Boko Haram then. There was a split last year. Um, or two years ago, and there is another group. But the, my own source of concern, which I've um, researched extensively, is that why is it that insurgency rises um, a lot a year to election? Does that have anything to do with the electioneering process, or is there um, any dimension of this that has not been explored? So this is, this is um, a very big issue, because even uh, when we look at previous elections, if it is not a new um, militant group, um, springing up in the Niger Delta, Niger Delta, Boko Haram becomes stronger a year to election. So this gives us a dynamic, a, a sense of the political dynamics of Boko Haram to say, well, there is a link that has not been critically explored by the Nigerian state um, in terms of the political dimension of Boko Haram, because if it is towards the time of election that they then increase their, their attacks, uh, the casualty increases, then there is a problem with that. And also, in terms of, um, of whether or not Buhari will contest, um, as we said, he's going to contest, but the problem is there is a, another dynamics in the way the election is going to be because people from the South uh, might be weary of having Atiko because this might actually mean that if Atiko wins this election, power might not return to the South in the next four years which is the political calculations of mm. a lot of Southerners, both Southwest and South-South. So it's going to be interesting to see what the election will be like in those regions because there is this gentleman agreement mm. that our power will shift after eight years between the North and mm. the South. It's not in the Constitution, obviously, but a lot of people in the South are already thinking if Atiku wins this mm. election, he would definitely mm. want to go for a second term in the next four years. And this would mean that the North will be having power for 12 years. So this is going to be interesting, mm. and that is one...
key dynamics in terms of whether or not people will want to stay with Buhari despite all the ups and downs in the last four years, or they will want to go for Atiko, which might then mean that mm. um, the country might be stuck, so to say, with um, a northerner for the next eight years, um, which might not be acceptable to people from the south. All right, so I'm going to take a quick break, and I want us to maybe elaborate on those uh, uh, geopolitics, uh, intra-geopolitics rather, in Nigeria that have been highlighted there by Dr. Ajala there. He's the Associate Lecturer at the University of York, and alongside him joining us on this panel discussion, we've got Dr. Akinolo Alojo, a Senior Researcher at the Transnational Threats and International Crime Program at the Institute for Security Studies, and also completing uh, this a panel discussion is Matthew Page, who's joining us from Chatham House. He's an associate fellow with the program covering Nigerian issues. It's almost 20 minutes past 11 o'clock Central African time. I'm going to stick to this subject matter and continue with our guests after this. The 14th of February is Valentine's Day, when couples and lovers celebrate their love for each other. Join Channel Africa on Friday the 15th of this month between 1200 hours to 1500 hours Central African time as we celebrate one love for Africa with our African brothers and sisters all over the continent. Let's dismantle prejudice and work towards achieving greater unity and solidarity between African countries and Africans as a whole. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Yes, I almost forgot that this is the month of love. We're already in February. Uh, this month is moving very quickly indeed. Thank you for joining us right here on African Dialogue. With me, Benjamin Mushatama, for uh, the next 40 minutes where we're going to take a look at uh, this major issue of Nigeria, the very important elections that are coming in a few weeks from now. And we've got a great panel uh, joining us today for this discussion. Matthew Page, Chatham House's Associate Fellow with the programs covering Nigeria, Dr. Akinolo Alojo, Senior Research at the Transnational Threats and International Crime Program at the Institute for Security Studies. Uh, joining us uh, all the way from the University of York is Associate Lecturer and there Dr. Olayinkwa Ajala. And before the break, uh, Matthew, we heard there from uh, Dr. Ajala highlighting some of uh, those uh, power dynamics in terms of uh, how votes go uh, depending on uh, whether you're coming from the north and the south of the country. And we know uh, that uh, the opposition that seems to uh, be actually one that will compete against Buhari, according to analysts, is uh, uh, the Abubakar himself, a businessman and also has been uh, vice president in the country. What do you think that would appeal in terms of him being the major uh, opposition figure in these upcoming elections? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, well, Tiku is certainly making the plug that when he was vice president between 1999 and 2007, that the Nigerian economy was more dynamic, that people were generally better off, and that the government was more responsive during that period when, um, as compared to, to President Buhari's first term. Um, of course, President Buhari, on the flip side, is is really pointing out the previous government, uh, which 
which ran Nigeria from 1999 to 2015 and was, you know, founded by the uh, People's Democratic Party, the PDP, during that period, you know, had developed a reputation for, for corruption. And, um, you know, Tiku Abubakar, um, there are allegations, you know, that are in the public domain um, relating to corruption to him personally. So both the candidates, I think, are trying to draw a very strong contrast between each other. Atiku portraying himself as a more free market oriented, a more dynamic, a more inclusive um, politician. And Buhari sort of standing firm on the reputation that he has developed uh, as um, his brand as someone who uh, pushes back on corruption and essentially um, portrays himself as a strong leader, sort of a, a democratic reincarnation of the role that he played as Nigeria's uh, military head of state from uh, 1984 to 1985. So the candidates, on the one hand, are portraying themselves as being very different, but I think what those of us on the outside looking in have to remember is that at the end of the day, their, their policies, to the extent that they have them, are, are pretty general and, and pretty similar. They're not presenting radically different policy visions in terms of how they would lead Nigeria to a very state-centric vision, a vision which is really about um, the division of what Nigerians call the national cake, right, which is the uh, oil uh, revenues, uh, mm. the government's role is essentially to divide that up between different parts of the country. And um, and they haven't said a lot, uh, as Dr. Ojo uh, alluded to, they haven't said a lot about um, how they would re-intensify or re-strategize in terms of uh, combating terrorism and resolving the insurgency in northeastern Nigeria. So on the one hand, the, the PR, the spin, is, is portraying themselves as, as very different, but, but when you dig down into the substance, these are still two sort of 70-year-old-plus uh, politicians who who intend to run Nigeria sort of in a very similar way, surrounded by very similar people. Mm. And I want to come back to the point that Dr. Ajala was highlighting, uh, Dr. Olojo, uh, the fact that uh, we're seeing a very interesting dynamic here when uh, in the 2005 election, uh, Buhari was pitted against Good Luck Jonathan, a Christian from a minority ethnic group in the South. However, this time we're seeing two figures from the North. How do you think this could actually change the dynamics here, especially, especially the fact that we are also seeing a lot of other candidates who are part of this uh, uh, choice pool. Okay, you see, I think I'd like to shift the uh, a bit of the discussion, sure. uh, you know, a little bit away from you know strictly looking at it as a, a religious or ethnically divided, uh, you know, context. Sure. Right? I mean that factor plays a role without a doubt. Um, for, for a number of decades, we've had uh, the factor of eth- ethnic, uh, you know. Uh, cleavage and also religion, you know, factoring into how people uh, throw in their support for candidates. But, I mean, we have a classic case here of two individuals, the two leading aspirants who come from the North. And um, it's a case which really will be a test for whether or not, uh, you know, this North-South divide would really, uh, you know, be a determinant. But apart from that, I think, you know, just to, you know, add a few comments to what was said earlier, um, the fact that, you know, Atiku Abubakar, you know, 
is representing the People's Democratic Party, that's the PDP. And the party has ruled for almost about 16 years, since 1999. The fact that there is already an extensive base of support across the country, I think it sort of um, <clears throat> draws in a lot of mm. appeals for people and you know, the need to sort of uh, uh, get back power, you know, quote-unquote, to what used to be the ruling party. So that, in a way, plays in the favor of article. But then, like the last speaker also said, you know, the details of the campaign promises that are being made in regards to uh, addressing insecurity are not very clear. Um, one thing which Atiku Abubakar has said, you know, in, in a recent report, is that uh, he plans to restructure the country. You know, and this has been a very important, you know, subject, you know, of discussions in, in various circles. And uh, you know, it's also very sensitive. You know, um, Atiku Abubakar has touched on this, and in a way, it goes beyond what you know the you know, the, the North would want to, you know, someone in the North perhaps would want to just, uh, you know, embrace in terms of, you know, restructuring. We find that a lot of people in the south of Nigeria or other parts of, of the country would want to um, go with that argument of restructuring. So that sort of draws in some level of support to Atiku's side. But I also think that beyond Atiku and President Buhari, there are candidates as well who recently, like I mentioned earlier, uh, seem to be forming some kind of coalition. Uh, the one led by uh, the Alliance for New Nigeria, Ladiro Toye, who appears to be pulling out somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, Omoyele Shore of the African A- uh, Action Congress. And then there's also, uh, you know, Professor King Tili Mogalu of the Young Progressive Party. You know, they seem to be forming some kind of uh, third force to contest, uh, you know, against PDP and APC. And I think we are, I mean, Nigerians are very curious to know how that will turn out. Um, there is very limited time before the elections hold, which literally is in about uh, uh, you know, 12 days from now. So, you know, people are anxious to see if the youth, which of course are the majority in the country, will somehow uh, swing support, uh, you know, along the lines of this uh, coalition which has been talked about. So I think that will be very interesting to see, uh, you know, beyond the whole... Mm-hmm argument about PDT and APC. There is a lot going on in the background. I think Nigeria is a country mm-hmm. where, you know, like someone I know always says, it's a country where, you know, the best may not be possible yet, but the worst really never happens. Mm-hmm. And um, Nigerians have also matured in terms of, you know, uh, realization that there is a need to change things. I think a lot of youth have reached a point where it's not only about money politics, while that is there, of course, but then a lot of people within Nigeria and outside the country are aware that, you know, there's a consciousness that things must change. Mm-hmm. And I think that is also factoring into discussions on social media and even hopefully when people go to the polls. Mm. Let me bring that to Dr. Ajala. What are your thoughts there on Dr. Olojo's thoughts, especially looking at the dimension that he's speaking on? Could we find ourselves in Nigeria where people are embarking on a, a post-religious uh, notion of why they're voting? And also, uh, what are your thoughts on this new crop of uh, candidates that are coming to the forefront, as uh, alluded to by Dr. Olojo? Dr. Ajala, to you. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, in as much as we might want to think that um, religion and uh, ethnicity doesn't play a major role, it, it still does. And that is why when you see the, the calculations by different political parties, there is always this very strong agenda of not fielding a Muslim Muslim or a Christian Christian candidate 
or fielding um, two people from the north or two people from the south at the same time. So there is always a mix, and this has been the case and is the case in most of the political parties. So because the thing is, when you look at Nigerian politics, there is still a lot of patronage that goes on, and um, people would people still tend to vote along ethnic um, lines. A very good example of this is, look at in the last four years, when the president makes any appointment into any position in the country, the first question people would ask is, where is he from? Is he Christian? Is he Muslim? He still plays a lot of role. When um, the um, chief, uh, the minister, uh, the attorney general recently um, had an issue, or is it minister of just had an issue, it quickly assumed the ethnic dimension mm. where people began to say, well, it's because it's this, is that. And mm. So anything that happens in that country, religion and ethnicity plays a very, very significant role. And I think that has not changed a lot in the last four years. In, in terms of the new uh, candidates, I, to be honest, personally, I actually think it's too late now, as um, recently said by Dr. Roger, that um, the election is just about 12 days away. So it's, I don't know if the, um, the ballot papers have been printed already. So if it's been printed and all the names of these people are there, it's already confusing because even if somebody steps down for the other person, how are people going to know? It's not, Nigeria is not a place where everybody is on social media. How many people watch television? How many people are actually on social media that know how these things are changing? There was a very good opportunity last year when they had a meeting which was chaired by um, Ezekwisele and uh, Dr. Ezekwisele, and um, she was the chair of that meeting, and they were supposed to come up with a consensus candidate. Um, Showare was there, and Mogali was there, and Feladuro Toye, was, all these people were there, and they had an election, um, which I think was won by maybe Mogalu, I can't remember who exactly won the election. But within a week, all of them went back and um, did not... Um, actually follow through with that uh, election they had. I think that was a golden opportunity mm. for all of them to have come together. I was discussing this at another forum, and I said what would have been better was mm. if they were able to present one candidate for the presidency, and then the others go for maybe the Senate or House of, House of Representatives. They would have then gained and gathered support um, prior um, towards 2023 election. But because um, 12 days to the election, there is still this um, conversation going on. Nobody's ready to step down for the other. Um, it's going to be very, very difficult. The young people might, uh, the young educated people might actually be inclined to vote for these people, this um, new crop of politicians that are coming up. But the question is, there is still this whole idea of, would I rather waste my vote? Because if all of them are coming up and nobody is stepping down for each other, they are just going to spread all these votes. And because in Nigeria, before you can become president, you need to win at least 25% of votes in two-thirds of the states in the country. So I actually don't see them, each of them, getting this except the stand down for each other. And since nobody is ready to do that, um, just less than two weeks to the election, and there's no clear structure of them having this, I, I personally do not think it's going to work this time around. 
Matthew, what are your thoughts around uh, this uh, new crop of politicians that we're starting to see challenging the old guard of politicians in Nigeria? Do you think they have some form of strength? Do you think they have a good collaborative effort? Or do you agree with Dr. Jala that they seem fragmented and not really organized? Well, I think that the emergence of this uh, class of third-party politicians, all of the vast majority of whom are very talented, have succeeded both at home and, and abroad uh, in terms of their, their careers and um, and are looking to give back to Nigeria. I mean, I think this is a very positive development in terms of Nigeria's democratic development. I think the challenge is that the political system, the electoral system, and the, and the rules of the game, if you will, are still very much tilted towards the two major parties. And at the end of the day, Nigeria's um, political campaigns, this is true in all countries, of course, but they're, they're still very much just driven by money and mobilization. And um, the two major parties, they can draw upon, in the case of incumbent parties, you know, the public funds that they have access to, or in the case of parties that are out of temporarily out of power, funds that they... Um, diverted whilst in office and created these sort of campaign war chests to, to power them to future elections. Uh, and of course, a steady stream of people moving between parties. In Nigeria, party allegiance is extremely weak. And politicians, I mean, I, I joke, I can barely keep track of which senior politicians are on which party mm. on any given day because mm. their, their allegiances are so fluid. Um, so, uh, so in other words, the the crop of third-party candidates, they are a sign, uh, an indication in terms of the, the re, you know, how they're you know, resonating with a certain portion of Nigerian voters, that the system you know, does have the potential to change. The problem is, is that right now there, there are these many candidates, and they're essentially fighting to appeal to a fairly small um, portion or cross-section of the Nigerian election, which is the, you know, the portion of the election who are, say, you know, middle class, um, you know, extremely sort of politically um, attuned and politically minded, um, uh, are, are, you know, are keeping up with, with the day-to-day news stories and so forth, and are looking to vote on, on the issues. I think many Nigerians, you know, are focusing just on on getting by and subsisting in their day-to-day lives. And so for them, they are, many of them are easily manipulated by, by politicians who, who use a, a mix of um, incentives, right, cash, uh, vote buying. Um, they appeal to ethno-religious sentiments. Um, they, they use violence and intimidation sometimes. All these tools to sort of manipulate that, that mass of voters who, you know, who again are, are more vulnerable than than say uh, middle class Nigerians who who vote on the issues. So perhaps 10, 20 years down the line, we'll see these third party candidates, especially if they unify behind each other, mm-hmm. begin to challenge mm-hmm. uh, the, the large ruling parties uh, for for control of the country. Mm-hmm. But my question is, you know, once these third parties begin to um, succeed and gain traction and perhaps um, gain a wider footprint of support, you know, what's to stop them from mm. essentially becoming like the old guard parties or being infiltrated, um, you know, and, and having these sort of old school politicians join them and, and remake them in the image of their old parties. That, that's what tends.
Okay. I'm going to take a quick break, Matthew, and then I'll come back just to get final sentiments from all of you around this particular issue. Very interesting viewpoints coming from our guests. Uh, if you're just joining us, that was the voice of Matthew Page, Chatham House's Associate Fellow with the program covering Nigeria. Dr. Akinolo Alojo is also with us from the Institute for Security Studies. He's a senior researcher in the Transnational Threats and International Crime Program and an associate lecturer at the University of York is also with us. That's Dr. Olayinkwa Ajala. Well, we're going to come back after this quick break and wrap up this discussion and maybe look at uh, just uh, revising what would be the key themes of uh, what would be on the minds of the electorate in this election. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective. Guess what? You can now listen to Channel Africa using Silozi, Chinyanja, Kiswahili, Portuguese, French and English, giving you an African perspective. Hi, my name is Tandalunyanzovo and you are listening to Channel Africa. We are Channel Africa from an African perspective. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Yes, you are listening to Channel Africa coming to you from Johannesburg Studios at the SABC headquarters in Auckland Park. Thank you for joining us. We only have five minutes with our fantastic guests who've been giving us their viewpoints on uh, the upcoming elections and the current um, presidential uh, situation right now in terms of uh, the political parties that are fielding uh, their candidates, the current presidential uh, candidate who's also running again and uh, it's been very interesting to just see all these issues playing out but to also see the old guard versus the new guard is also an interesting dynamic that we've been uh, looking at but let's wrap it up Dr. Ajal we only have uh, five minutes left and uh, I want to know from your perspective what do you think would be on the minds of the electorate this time around Uh, do you think issues of um, uh, terrorism will still be on uh, the uh, table do you think it's issues around the economy what do you think would be central in that final decision when someone is making their cross on that ballot box Dr. Hi, uh, thank you sure. thank you uh, I think um, those are the two things to be honest um, the economy is number one um, on anyone everyone's in Nigeria's mind at the moment now because um, the economy has not fared really well in the last three years, um, three and a half, four years. So I'm sure that is one of the arguments that a lot of people would be keen to listen to in terms of how these candidates would want to address the economic issue because it also feeds into the insurgency because there are loads and loads of uh, unemployed people all around the country who have actually been lured into joining insurgent groups because they are no, there is the debt of alternative employment. So uh, the economy will be the first thing uh, for everyone in Nigeria and then the, the security situation, because uh, not only is there the problem of Boko Haram, no, there's also this increase in uh, crises and attacks, violent conflicts mm. between farmers and headmen in several states um, of the country as well, which is getting not just in the north, but in the south. So security and economy will be the two uh, top priority of every Nigerian uh, towards this election. Matthew, do you agree? Uh, I mean, I think that... You know, regardless of what 
people issues people are focused on in this very moment, right? I think we need to remember that Nigeria is on track to being the third most populous country in the world by 2050. As you started out the show saying, you know, it is Africa's largest economy. It's got huge potential. The question is, which one of these two major candidates or the third-party candidates are going to be able to be dynamic and sort of uh, dynamic enough and have the vision to to take on those challenges, whether it be security, economic, or governance challenges? Hmm. Let me get the final sentiment and give it to you, Dr. Alojo. How do you wrap up the conversation in terms of this question? I think the question of human security in all its ramifications will be paramount on the minds of a lot of Nigerians. Um, Beyond the issue of uh, money politics, beyond the issue of uh, the Muslim-Christian divide, you know, I think human security in terms of having a better livelihood, the economy, as earlier mentioned, and having a safer and secure life, you know, in Nigeria, I think, would really be paramount. And just to, you know, to, to just wrap it up, you know, in regard to this question about, uh, you know, uh, divide, you know, along ethnic and religious lines. I do think that um, Nigerians, especially the majority of youth, are having a growing consciousness beyond that. And even in terms of security, we have actually seen, based on the evidence, that it's really not about Muslims killing Christians. And Boko Haram and its breakaway faction have actually killed more Muslims in the north compared to Christians. So it's actually a very more complex, uh, much more complex debate. And the human security angle, challenging an elite system and ensuring that everyone has a secure and uh, better access to a better life is what is paramount for a lot of Nigerians. Thank you, gents, for giving us your time. We really appreciate your contributions. Hopefully we'll be in touch with you in the days to come as these elections take off be great to speak to you once again but thank you to Matthew Page Chatham House's Associate Fellow with the program covering Nigeria Dr. Akanilojo Akanolo Alojo is joining us from the Institute for Security Studies and Dr. Ajala is joining us from the University of York thank you all for giving us your time we really love speaking to you and thank you for your contribution thank you